Because some of us always fall back on the idea that um, we've got to repent first and then we've got to clean up our act first. Because he's looking and we're trying to get ourselves nice and pretty and whatever. And then maybe he'll smile at us. Then maybe we'll find favor. Then maybe he'll love us. Then maybe we're really on the inside of his children. But when we see that his love precedes everything, precedes everything. And it's, and it's, it's his kindness, his mercy, his love that leads us to be sorry. That leads us to want to change, to want to follow him. I don't, I don't think it's possible to see the full beauty of the Lord unless your heart is so hard to see the beauty of the Lord and not, not fall in love with him. That's his lordship over our life. He displays his beauty, and we want to follow. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to Psalms 139. We're finishing up our series on rolling away the stones. Using the analogy of the resurrection, it's really more than an analogy, it's a reality. But we're talking about the various stones that entomb us and keep us from walking in the full resurrected life that the Lord would have for us. We've talked about the stone of shame and the stone of fear, the stone of death. And this morning I want to talk about the stone of wounded memories, the stone of the past. Psalms 139, verses 13 through 18. This is, the, this is David praying to the Lord, just talking to the Lord. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I'm one of those works. And you were knitting me together there in my mother's womb. And, and I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to pass. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And it's, uh, I want to read another passage of Scripture from 2 Corinthians. Wendy, I don't think you should sing before I preach anymore. It really, it really is, you really screw me up. <laughs> uh, 2 Corinthians 10. Verses 3 through 5. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. The word there is for reasonings, thought processes. We demolish arguments and every pretension. The word there means Im- imagination, to image. Everything that is an image in the mind 
we demolish those kinds of self-reasoning and those kinds of imaginations that, set it, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Lord, I just pray for healing to be present here this morning. God, roll away stones in people's lives. How the enemy uses so many things from the past to keep us from walking in the full victory that you have in store for us. Lord, by the power of your spirit, which is nothing different than the power of your love, free your people here this morning. And use me, if you please, to do it. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to share with you something that I've shared before. I don't know when, but I've shared it before. But this church growing the way it's growing, you can pretty much repeat every, every analogy or sermon you have and you'll have a mostly new audience in a couple months. So uh, I, I like to share it again. It's something that happened to me uh, several years ago on, on New Year's Eve. Um, I was sitting together with my uh, two sisters uh, sharing New Year's together and, and uh, I have two sisters, one's younger and one's older. And uh, we were talking about we got to talking, you know, old anxiety stuff. We started talking about my mother, our mother, who died when I was two and, and my younger sister was one. My older sister was nine or ten at the time, so she started telling us what mom was like. I was way too young to ever know her. And we started talking about, about that. And at one point in the course of the conversation, about two in the morning, my older sister shared with me that, that my uh, mom's last words to her on our deathbed, we'll make sure that somebody gets Greggy some new shoes. His, his feet are growing so quickly. And I lost it for about an hour. I just cried like a baby. I'd never heard that before. I'd never, I never knew that. But there's something about hearing that that, that that was ministering to me as this 34-year-old man. Knowing that I was loved like that then said something about me now. Knowing that she cared for me that way back then, for a lot of reasons, I, I didn't think that was a real thing. I didn't know what she thought, but I, I didn't get the message that someone cared about my shoe size. Hearing that about me then said something about my worth and my lovability now. Because you see, I'm in essence the same person as I w- was back then. Who I am now is part of what I was back then, and what I was back then is part of who I am now. I am still that little boy. I carry that little boy with me. It's part of my memory. It's part of my history. That's part of who I am. So knowing that I'm loved like that back then is healing for me now because that's part of who I am. And I think it's it's the same thing in our relationships with God. Part of being loved by God now is is to see how he loves us back then. Part of being healed now is is, uh, uh, seeing how God loved us back then. And part of feeling God's love for us now is letting him heal us as we were back then. God is a God of, of insatiable, ravishing love towards us. And yet so often things that have happened in the past, either things that we have done or things that have been done to us, Keep us from really experiencing that. Keep us from really believing that. Keep us from really being healed by that. 
What needs to happen is for us to bring our whole self to God. Our whole self to be under His love. And part of our whole self is the past. That's part of who we are. And that is when love, full love, and full healing begins to happen in our life. And we bring it all to Him. It, we rarely ever do that. We hardly ever talk about bringing our past to the Lord, letting the Lord heal our memories. And most people don't know how to do that. They don't even know that, that that's a, a concept. Maybe it, it even sounds a little bit corny to you, a little bit, little bit overly sentimental, maybe even a little bit flaky and New Age-ish or something. But it's really no different than what we do with ordinary friends. You know, when you meet somebody and you begin to fall in love with them, whether or not it's, it's a romantic kind of a love or whether it's just a friendship kind of love, one of the natural things that begins to happen is you begin to share your life with them. You begin to open up to them. As the relationship gets more secure, a sense of intimacy develops, and you open up your life to let them into your past. You begin to share things that have happened, good things and bad things, happy things and sad things. That's part of knowing you. You can't be divorced from your past. You can't be separated. The past can't be amputated, however hard you try. And many times people do try. But what it is to develop an intimate friendship with somebody is to bring your whole self to them, even yourself that is your past, and put it under the umbrella of their love. Put it under the umbrella of their friendship. Put it within the embrace of their arms. And it doesn't mean that they or you love everything about your past, but the whole past and all that you are, every little, every little nook and cranny of your heart, every little nook and cranny of your mind, all the dark recesses of your past, you bring to them, and it's all embraced by their love. That's how friendships grow. That's what intimacy is. It is what I think Paul is exactly telling us to do in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. When he says, we wage war, not as the world does, but on a spiritual level, by taking all the imagination, taking all the thoughts, taking all the reasoning processes in your brain and bringing them under the lordship of Jesus Christ, making them captive to Jesus Christ, bringing all those different facets of yourself and bringing them under the umbrella of his love, under the umbrella of the cross, of his forgiveness, of his healing power. That's part of just developing friendship with Jesus Christ. Saying, Lord, do you know this about me? What, did you, what were you thinking back then? What were you feeling back then? Were you there when I was being knit in my mother's womb? Were you there when I was being formed? Bringing it all, every part of yourself, including the part that is the past, and bringing it under the umbrella of his love. You see, when we don't do that, we've got areas of our life. Maybe some areas in the present, maybe some areas in the past, some memories of the past, some events of the past. Until they're brought under the umbrella of Christ's lordship, they, they just sort of operate on their own. And that, Paul says, gives the enemy a stronghold. It gives the enemy a hook, an, an occasion to, to work into your life. A lot of you know firsthand experience, as I know, that you can have a life that is basically mature in the Lord, basically together emotionally stable in, in many ways, and yet there's this area and that area or that area of your life that just seems to be spinning out of control. And you work hard and you try hard and you do all you can do to bring it into, into sanctification, into holiness, under the lordship of Christ. But you see, until you address the root of the problem, you can never really address the problem. And the root of the problem may be part of your past that hasn't been brought under the lordship of Christ. 
Paul says we do warfare against the enemy when we take our whole self, our whole being, all that we are, including the past, which is part of us, and bring it under the lordship of Christ. And that begins to heal us now. Because the truth of the matter is, is that a great deal of who you are right now is shaped by, influenced by, in part determined by what has gone on in the past. I don't believe that we're simply footnotes of what happened to us. I don't believe that we're supposed to live our lives so we can blame memories for all that goes on. But they do influence us. It's part of who we are. It's part of the fabric, the makeup of, of, of our mind and, and, and influences the way we see things, the way we respond to things, the way we feel about things. And so it might be that part of what is going on in, in, in a workaholic's life, part of what's behind that person's workaholism is, is some little kid who's uh, being bowled out by his dad because his grades aren't as good as Johnny's grades next door. And he's still today trying to prove that he can get as good, gra- as good a grades as Johnny. It might be that behind that, that, that authoritarian, dictatorial pastor of your past that is trying to build an empire of his own, maybe somewhere behind there, part of what's behind there, maybe is, 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 is a little kid who's just afraid of striking out at the play while his dad is watching, but maybe he's struck out and feels like he let down the whole team, feels like he let down his dad, feels like he let down the world, and he's still trying to hit that home run in the bottom of the ninth inning to prove himself, and it comes out in every area of his life because you can't separate who you are now from who you were then. And it might be that part of what's there behind that woman who just uh, can't, gives into temptation, is promiscuous or whatever, maybe there's somewhere there, part of what's there is, is a little girl who's always trying to get a cold, detached father's attention and never succeeds at it. And she's still trying to get dad's attention the only way she knows how. That's part of what's there. And maybe part of what's there behind the perfectionistic mother's uh, perfectionism, always having to have the kids right, the house look right, herself look right, compulsive about it. Maybe part of what's there is a, is, is a kid with a, her own mother who's just never, she never measures up, always something wrong. The word of criticism is always the first word she, she hears. And those things influence us. And so she's still trying to compensate for that, compulsively being perfectionistic. And sometimes the memories we have can absolutely paralyze us. They don't only, not only influence us in the present, but sometimes when things happen that are sufficiently traumatic, we, get, we, we have paralysis. It's like our life is freeze-framed there. We get a snapshot of our life, and we can't move beyond it. We, every other area of our life develops. We mature intellectually and physically and emotionally, but this area of our life is freeze-frozen. There's a snapshot there, and we can't move beyond it. The young woman who who is in every respect, uh, the, the newly married woman who in every respect is emotionally sound and spiritually sound and physically sound, but as soon as her husband tries to have relationships with her, she freezes because she goes back to that, what happened when she was five years old. Just like re-experiences all over again. She can't move past it. Or the, the, the young woman who in other respects is very normal and developed, like a normal 19-year-old, but when she looks in the mirror, she still sees this 13-year-old pudgy little girl who's being circled by some boys on the school lot, teasing her because she's overweight. And she still sees that. Her mind is just traumatized into that, frozen by the memory. And see, what needs to happen is for all of that to be brought under the umbrella. You see, you accept the Lord, you're saved, you begin to know the Lord and, and develop an intimate relationship with Him. You're saved, you're converted but someone's got to go back and tell this kid who's striking out 
the good news. And someone's got to tell the little girl who's getting chewed out the good news. And someone's got to tell the kid who can't get the good grade the good news. They've got to be saved too. God wants to save our whole being. He wants to embrace it all. But it doesn't happen automatically. It's got to be brought under. And until we do that, it's strongholds. It's pain. They influence us. Areas of our life that spiral outside of the umbrella of, of, of Christ's love. We need to take the little kid and bring it under the love of Christ. He needs to be embraced too. Take the traumatized little girl and embrace, bring her and let her receive the good news. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. You shall be made whole. John 15. Do you know how the Lord, the Lord wants an intimate relationship with us? He wants an interpenetrating relationship with us. He wants to live within us and us to live in him. And he wants all of us to abide in him. Come under my umbrella. Come within my embrace. embrace. Take all of your parts. I want the past. I want the present. I want the future. All of you to come in. The whole being. I want all of me to dwell within you. In the same way that when we have a close friend, part of letting them know us is to let them in and let them weave into our life weave into the past, and let their love, and this is healing too in community, let their love, let their love heal the past. Let them weave in. It's the same way with the Lord. But see, with the Lord, it's, it's different in this respect. When we go to the Lord and we let him on the inside, we not only feel he loves us with our past, like human friends do, but we hear the biblical truth that he's been loving us in our past. That he's been loving us all along. And that is so healing. That is so beautiful. It's what David must have felt when, in Psalm 139 when he says, Lord, you were there, weren't you? You were there, you were there fashioning me. You were there making me in the mother's womb. When I was a little kid, you were there. When I was fighting the lion, you were there. When I was stubbing my knee, you were there. You, you've, been, you've been loving me all along. Before I ever knew you, you were loving me. From the very start, from my inception, you were there loving me. Or what Jeremiah must have felt like in Jeremiah 33 when when the Lord tells him, Jeremiah, I've loved you with an everlasting love. The kind of love I've got for you, you've got to know this. It didn't start yesterday. It didn't start when you got saved. It didn't start when you did good things, and it didn't stop when you did bad things. I've loved you from the start, man. I've had my eye on you. You've been the apple of my eye from day one. And then nothing has changed that. And when you thought I was a million miles away, I was there. So David can say, when I awake, you're still there. I may have had a real bad night, but when I'm awake, you're still there. How could you not be there? You've been there from the beginning when I was conceived. You've been putting me together from the start. And knowing that I'm loved back there like, like that says something about me now. Because who I am now is part of what's back there. Part of my being loved now is being healed back then, and part of my being healed now is being loved back then. Bring it all under the embrace of Christ's love. Letting him hug it all. Hug it all. It does several things. The first thing is, is, it, is it heals us. In my life, nothing has been more healing than me offering up to, to the Lord, putting under the sunshine of his love, just putting out on display for him to love memories of the past. Just, just, just put it out there and let him love that. Well, a lot of times when I'm, I'm, I just have a time with the Lord where I do this, I just think about me as a little kid. Now that I've gotten my own little boy, I, it's really easy for me to do because he's a spitting image of me and, and uh, he just he recalls all sorts of things. So I just picture myself like Nathan out there and, and I just let the Lord 
say what is true. I, I, you know, I love that kid with an everlasting love. I, I just hear that. Or I, I just hear the Lord say what he would say if he was back then. He was back then. Looking at, at little Greggy on, on the, on the uh, hillside of Lansing, Michigan, running around, always kind of just playing by himself. I don't know why that was. But always out there in his own little world and burying little treasures and fighting little pirates by himself. And the Lord just says, it doesn't that guy have an imagination. Look at the energy there. He's fearfully and wonderfully made. I make wonderful works, don't I? And I know that the nuns at the Catholic school never appreciate that. They, they call it... <laughs> at least the nuns I had, with all due respect to nuns, they didn't see with the eyes of Jesus. But the Lord, the Lord celebrates that. Look at the energy there. Look at the things he does with sticks, you know. The creative way he can break things, you know. And he, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't, he, at everything I do growing up did he approve of. But he sees in me his creation. He sees in me his kid. I'm always his kid and you're always his kid. And I think in terms of our relationship with the Lord, we never ought to get beyond that. We're still a little kid that needs to sit on the lap. And it's just hearing that love, seeing that love, seeing the way the Lord affirms that says something about me now. Because he's still part of me. I can't forget the little kid. He's not dead. He's here. And he needs to be brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And here he needs to hear the good news. And he can't hear too much of it. It heals us. Second thing it does is when we do this, like developing a friendship, when we just talk, talk the truth of who we are, which is our past, we develop intimacy with people. That's part of letting them in. Weave your love into my life. And uh, more than just seeing, more than just letting him in in the history and, 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 and putting it on display before his love and letting him just love it, letting him just heal it, letting him just be the Holy Spirit there and the comforter there and to bring healing there. It develops intimacy. So many times believers who, 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 who only operate with the Lord out of the present, and, and they just kind of operate in, in, in a you know, day-to-day mode where they, they pray for their present needs, you never develop a profound, intimate relationship. It's always sort of an acquaintance. God's sort of out there, kind of acquaintance. You know him, but it's not a passionate abiding in kind of thing where you abide in him and he abides in you. And the reason is because you couldn't have a friendship that way. What, would you, what kind of a deep, profound, emotional, loving friendship could you have if... Uh, if, if, if you refuse to ever talk about your past to another person, you can only to ask what happened yesterday no further. But see, part of who you are, that's like, well, you can love my arm, but you can't love my legs. Or you can love my neck, but you can't love, you know, from here down. Yeah, it's not, it's, well, I'm me, and this is all of me, and part of me is the past, and if you're going to love me, that's part of what, it's a package deal. That's part of what comes with the package. It's the same way with the Lord. This develops intimacy and closeness. And it does that because of a third thing, and that is this. When we bring up all that we are, with all of its wounds maybe, all of its sin, I'm not just talking about things that were done to us or events that happened to us, but things that we have done that we need to forgive about ourselves. When we bring that up and let the Lord bring the good news to that, we see the beauty of Jesus Christ. Maybe in a more profound way than we could in any, in any other context. And I really believe that all healing is simply a matter of seeing Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 through 18, 
That it's as we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, as we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, that we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. What you see is what you become. And when you can see, when I see the Lord just reverse all the messages that I got and, and, and just pour his love on me as a little Greggy at five years old and, and Greggy at 10 years old and Greg at 16 years old. When I see that, he becomes more beautiful to, to me. When I see him forgive the sin, when I see him love me in the midst of unlovable circumstances, when I see him reverse some of the stuff that happened, he becomes more beautiful to me. And the more beautiful he becomes, the more I love him, the more I want to live for him, the more I want to repent of, of, of my sin. His kindness leads me to my repentance. When I see him treating this little kid so lovingly and so kind. I see his beauty in a way that I wouldn't be able to see otherwise. We see the beauty of the Lord. We're healed. We develop intimacy with the Lord and we see the beauty of the Lord. When you see that he's been loving you all along the way. He loved you while you were in the womb as you were being put together. He loved you when you were born. He loved you when you were being spanked. He loved you on the playground when you scraped your knee. He loved you when those boys were circling around you, calling your names, making fun of you. He loved you when you, when you were rejected. He loved you when you screwed up at, at the age of 13 and, and got caught shoplifting or something. He loved you when, when, when you got pregnant. He loved you when you ran away from home. He loved you when you were in the halfway house. He loved you when you were on the drugs. He loved you when you were trying valiantly to screw up your life and prove what a lousy jerk you were. All along the way, he's been loving you. And, and, and what you need to do is to take every part of those things that he's loved all the way and tell them that. Bring it under the umbrella of Christ's love. Take captive every thought, every image, every memory under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you, 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 you know about this. Maybe you've been doing it on your own. It just kind of happened naturally. To others, maybe this is really new. So let me just say a word about, about maybe how to do it. Um, first thing is this. You need to be at the point in your life where you're willing to let go. A point in your life where you're willing, not necessarily able to let go, but willing to let go. One of the scary things that's going on in our culture right now is uh, uh, there's kind of a, an atmosphere all over the place that, that we, we, we reward and heroize victims. And leads people to think that when they are, have become angry at the past, when, they've, they, when they become, you know, uh, blaming of the past, that that's sort of the stopping point. They're a victim, and they live their life in a woe-is-me kind of a stance. But I want you to know this, that you need to go through that period, perhaps, where you're angry at what happened. Th th that can be a healthy stage where you blame. That can even be a healthy stage. But, but you've got to know that that's not the stopping point. That's not the stuff. What God has in store for you, if you will bring that under his lordship, under the captivity of his love, is light years better than being angry and being bitter. But if you stop at the bitterness, what happens is you make that your identity. You empower the past to forever lord over you. There has to come a time when you're willing to let go, when you're willing to forgive. Not that you're able to do it. This is why no one can just say, you need to forgive, you need to forget, you know, just let it go, be bygones, move on from here. Because you may not be able to do that. Forgiveness is something that's got to come out of a healing. It's got to come out of health. It's really just loving somebody who has done you wrong, but that's got to come out of the inside. You can't just will to do it. It is the result, not the foundation for all healing. It promotes healing. But to be genuine, it has to come out of a heart that's ready to do it. Are you willing to let go? Not are you able, but are you willing to let go? Let the Lord free you from this. Second thing is this. 
It takes time. It takes spending time with Jesus. You know, when you develop a friendship that, 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 that is, that, that's vulnerable, that where you disclose some of your stuff, and you let people in on the past, it takes time. It doesn't happen with a 30-second conversation here or there. You, 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 you spend time with a person. You come to love the person. Uh, you, you get comfortable with the person. You get safe with the person. It takes being together. It takes familiarity. And so it is with, with bringing our past to the Lord. It takes time spent with Jesus. Most of the time our prayer is, my prayer is, and I bet your prayer is, most of the time, getting a couple minutes when you can in the morning, getting a couple minutes in the afternoon when you can get away, maybe a couple minutes at night, maybe while you're driving the car. And that's not bad. That's, that's okay. Try to grow in that and try to expand those little segments. But most of it is, is just kind of maintenance sort of things. But there needs to be a time in our life that we set aside, just like in our marriages. You have to have a time where you can just be together and relax and get to know one another and love one another and romance one another. And it's so also with the Lord. We need to, at times, make a date with the Lord just to spend in friendship, in intimacy, in romance. A half hour or an hour, once a week or once a month. For me, for me I, I, this kind of stuff, it goes in cycles. You know, sometimes it's really clicking for me and, and there's stuff that needs to be dealt with. And so I'll go a couple times a week where I just spend times like this with the Lord. Other times I go, you know, once in a couple of months. There's no rule here that says how much, but there needs to be some time that we set apart where we're just going to be who we are, all of who we are, including the past of who we are, and bring it under the Lordship of Christ. Beyond that, there's a lot of room for individual preference. I like to, when I have these times, I put on some headphones and put on some nice music. I, it's just like, you know, God gave music to melt the heart. That's why we worship with music. And... Uh, so I like to put on some music. Uh, you know, I usually get some, some extracts from some soundtracks, like Terms of Endearment, things that really have moved me, uh, uh, Dances with Wolves or, or Somewhere in Time. And I put on the music, and that just kind of, or some, maybe some classical music. Some people like, like uh, instrumental praise music. But nice and soft, and it just kind of sets the mood. Just like when you, you know, come on, guys, when you romance your wife, you know, you, you set the mood. You know, you're not just going to you know, turn off a football game and start romancing her. You know, you, you, you got to... You, you gotta, you gotta, well, some guys need to be told that. Men, don't. <laughs> you need to set the mood. <laughs> well, that's part of human nature. So I, I treat this like a date like, with, with my wife. And, and then I put on some music. And then, or, but there are other people, though, who really prefer silence. So you need to try, try, try both. And then I just am with the Lord. And I, I just basically, the, words, the Bible says meditate on the Lord. And that's just the word for think. I just think about Jesus. I just think about me. And I think about different parts of my life. And I just introduce Jesus to that. And, and, and hear what Jesus would say, what he does say. Or see, see with my mind's eye what Jesus would do in those situations. And it's part of bringing a captive unto Jesus Christ. And just, I just enjoy it. Some people say, why do you got to dig up the garbage? Why do you got to go into the past? For me, it's, it's sometimes sad, but it's always rewarding. And I enjoy seeing the Lord show off his love that way. It's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. I fall more in love with him. And usually it's just a matter of, 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 of seeing myself in the past and, and, and seeing the Lord just say true, loving, kind, gentle things. Sometimes, however, there are particular memories that need to be healed, especially the ones that, 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 that became snapshots, the ones that gave paralysis. Sometimes you need to introduce the Lord to, to rework the message of those memories. And the Lord, the beautiful thing is the Lord can do that. I, 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 
One of the things that's most beautiful to me about the Lord is, is, is just seeing the way he's done this in people's lives. I, I collect stories of people who have had you know, things like this happen, where they, they think about something that happened in the past, and then the Lord comes and, and doesn't change the past. He doesn't change the past, but he can change the interpretation of the past. He can change the message that was seared into your brain from the past. And it's beautiful when he does it. Let me share with you one, just to kind of give you a picture of what it might look like. And this is an experience also, which I don't know if I've shared here before, but I've shared it in other contexts. But it's, to me, it was one of the most healing things for me. I'll close with this. Um, it, it, it started about seven years ago, when, it, when uh, um, around Christmas time, a babysitter that we used to have quite a bit came over to our house. And she brought the kids some, some Christmas presents. She brought... Uh, um, uh, she showed up and, and she gave a present to Danae and gave a present to Alicia, but she forgot that I had a son. And uh, she whispered to me, you know, I forgot about Nathan. And something inside of me just exploded. I, I, I got so emotional. I was angry and I was sad and I was hurt and I was trying to hold back tears. And, and she was like, well, wait a second. I was just, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I... <laughs> But it, it was way out of proportion. And so what I did is I, I, I lied to my son. <laughs> I cast the first stone. I don't care. I, I, I said, I said, because he, he's all excited. He's jumping up and down just like I used to. He's so hyperactive, and he's just all excited to presents. And, and then he's kind of like, where's mine? And, and I said, oh, she's got a special present for you. We put it in the, in the bedroom. And so I took the babysitter in the bedroom, and I had, we had been buying presents for the kids, and I took out one of the ones that I was going to give them for, for Christmas, a really good one. It was a truck. And I gave it to her, and I said, you give it to them. And so she came out there and, and gave them the present. And my daughters got mad. <laughs> they said, no fair, you got a better one. <laughs> you can't win. <laughs> but something, there, there, was, there was something deep there. Several days later, I was just having one of these times with the Lord where I just sat and I was just thinking about the Lord. And actually, I hadn't done, this is one of the first times I even, even discovered this sort of thing. But I began to think about, you know, as I was relaxing there, a memory came to me that I hadn't thought about for 30-some for years. And I all of a sudden very vividly saw myself in this house. It was right around Christmas time. I must have been three years old. I found out later on that it was after the time that my mother died, but before my dad remarried. And my grandmother had to take care of us. She was a very old lady, a very strict Catholic lady, and I was a very hyperactive kid, and we didn't get along together at all. Um, and and uh, there was a lot of bad vibes there. But anyways, I, I, I just was watching this kind of like a, a screen movie, and, and my grandmother came in. It was, it was, um, she came in with this bag, and she says, I got presents for everybody. And uh, we all run over there, and, and uh, I'm, of course, jumping up and down just like this. I always did that. And uh, I just stopped that last year, actually. And, <laughs> this is no longer appropriate behavior. <laughs> but gathered around, and she gave my older sister this uh, porcelain doll and gave my younger sister this, this pony and gave my brother this tugboat, and I was jumping up and down. And I, look, I, I jump over to the bag, hop, and I look in the bag, and there's nothing there. I stop hopping, and I just look up, and my older sister says, Grandma, doesn't Greggy get a, a present? My grandmother looks at me with these very angry eyes and says, No, Greggy is a bad, bad boy. 
And, and I just started crying and bawling. And even as I'm thinking about that, I just started crying and bawling. What a major thing to hang on a three-year-old kid. This is to a three-year-old kid like going through a divorce as an adult. This is like, you know, this is just, the kid, you know, you're at a stage in your life where you're just saying, who am I, what am I, what am I worth? And then you get this, I'm so bad, I don't even get presents at Christmas. I must be, I must, I must really be bad. And I thought of this, and my first response was to cry. And the first thing the Lord did while, we were, while I was just seeing this memory, it was all coming back to me. And I later on had to call my dad and my sister to find out, you know, did this, did this happen? Um, the Lord just cried with me because something really died there. A little chip was, was taken out of this edifice that God wanted. But just seeing the Lord cry there, he didn't change it, but just seeing the Lord cry there began to reverse the message because he was saying, I heard over this too. Part of my perfection is my incredible ability to enter into this kind of stuff. And just to know, like, Lord, you were back there, and you felt that? You really were there? And you were mad too, and you were, you were sad too? And for a number of times, you know, this isn't like the thing that you do once and then you forget about it. For me, I, 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 I go over this stuff quite a bit. I still even think about this incident. But there's another time, maybe several weeks later, where I, I was spending some time like this with the Lord, had music on, and the lights were dark, and I was just thinking about things and just enjoying the Lord. I went back there, and I went through this whole scene again. This is maybe the fifth or sixth time I had done it. And, and everything took place just like it did. I was jumping up and down. I looked in the bag. There's nothing there. My older sister says, Grandma, doesn't Gregory get a present? And I look up, but this time, it's not my grandmother that's there. It's Jesus. Jesus has got this big beaming smile on his face. He says, of course, Greggy gets a present. And he rubs my head. And he goes, Greggy is a good boy. I look back down in the bag and start jumping again. And there's this big red airplane. I always wanted this big red airplane when I was a kid, and I never got it. And I don't know why. I remember asking for it a couple Christmases in a row, and they never got it for me. I don't know where I even wanted it, but there it was, this big red airplane. And I pick it up, and I'm just, just bursting. Even as I'm thinking about it, I'm bursting with joy. And I give him this hug, and he hugs me. And I say, but Grandma said I was a bad boy, and I don't get presents. He says, well, your grandmother was wrong. I created you, and I know you better than she does. I mean, part of me being healed now is being loved back then, because I was carrying that with me all this time. Part of me being loved now is being healed back then. It's all part of the package deal. All this comes down is the Lord wants to love us in the entire package. The entire package. To bring it all under the umbrella of his love. And to see his incredible, incredible beauty as he says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I was there knitting you together. I was there when you stubbed your knee. I was there when that happened to you or this happened to you. Open up to the Lord. Open up to the Lord. Invite him in. Have a time where you just think about the Lord and you think about Think about you, all of you, including the past, which is you, and offer it up to him. Put it up into the sunshine of his love. Just say, Lord, will you shine on this one here for a while? I really could use some healing here. You just shine a little bit. What would you say to this, Lord? What were you thinking here? How, how would you respond to this? And see what the Lord does. As you behold his glory, you're transformed from one degree of glory to the other. Father, I just pray for healing here. You are so beautiful beyond comprehension, too marvelous for words like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp the de depths of your love? Who can grasp, Lord God, the width of your grace? Lord, I pray that you would hear 
bring to surface all that maybe has been beneath the surface, but for that reason, Lord, outside of your umbrella, outside of your embrace, Lord God, bring healing. Bring healing, Lord God. Bring the everlasting dimension of your love here this morning. And show yourself to your people, Lord, here and as we go forth, Lord God. Show them to be the unconditional loving Lord that you are.